0: Robert Kiyosaki says that if you buy real estate for it to only go up in value, you're a speculator. And I've stuck to that. So you do not have to buy real estate.
1: Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure. Free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile or higher for best practices. Basically, he knows his stuff. And He is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then... You can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely wound up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that, adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Mark Collard. How you doing, Mark?
0: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Mark. He is a founder and CEO of The Outback, which is a seminar flash empowerment company for real estate investors. He is a full-time real estate investor as well as he does coaching. His mission is to fundamentally change thinking in real estate from fear-based to being empowered. And you can say hi to him at his website, coachcollard.com, based in Las Vegas, Nevada. With that being said, Mark, you want to give the best of listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: 1999, I got started in real estate, but I actually started as a mortgage loan officer. And I spent about a year really learning the mortgage business, and it kind of propelled me into things. So I had done a little bit of study back in the day on Carlton Sheets' No Money Down program. And what I realized pretty quickly was that my finance knowledge, understanding traditional finance, kind of gave me x-ray vision, is what I call it, into a transaction, into people's contexts and their situations. And I realized my finance knowledge was a competitive edge, and so it helped me put deals together. So I started buying real estate, started with subject twos and lease options, bailed a few people out of foreclosure, and it just started going from there. I'd done everything wide, I guess you could say, on the highway of real estate from No buying to commercial discounts, short sales, foreclosures, subject to lease options. And that's just my thing nowadays. And so that's what I do. And early on, I realized that a lot of people deal with fear and it freezes them up or they get in the middle of a transaction and they don't know anything. So they just go into this story in their head and it's fear-based. And you and I both know that fear doesn't serve anybody. So part of what I've done is put the Outback together. And the Outback's a mindset that says you seek solutions at all costs and you don't quit. You just continue to look and consider what options are there. And you'll consider everything, but you won't do anything. So I'll consider unreasonable options and I'll entertain those ideas. And in there, I'm generally able to find a solution for somebody that helps you to put a creative real estate deal together. That's the quick version.
1: Well, I'm curious when you were a mortgage officer and you saw that the finance knowledge gave you a competitive edge, what did you apply specifically, or what did you learn that gave you that edge?
0: It was really understanding the trustee sale process. At the time, I happened to be in Arizona. My little triangle of place where I play now is Arizona, California, and Nevada, and all of those locations have a note and deed of trust state set up, so it's a non-judicial process. It's a predefined statutory 90-day or a little more process in every state, and mastering that process or learning that process through the lending business and seeing people going to foreclosure, it allowed me to see through the transaction. Most homeowners, when they go delinquent immediately, oh, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I need to call the bank and ask them what they can do or what I can do. Yep. And the bank's only going to tell you their process on how to prevent you from going delinquent or how to take your property back when you don't pay it. So what I realized is they're just as misinformed as the homeowner is and being in the mortgage business just allowed me to see through that. So I was able to put together solutions based in reality rather than, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my home because as mm-hmm. soon as the homeowner goes there, they lose their empowerment. And everything I do is about staying empowered. So you got to continue to make decisions in the face of adversity. You can't just go into fear and you certainly mm-hmm. can't give your authority over to the lenders.
1: Let's talk about that as an investor. Now, Knowing what you know through the process of being a mortgage loan officer, how did you approach it with the homeowner and how did you provide a solution for them?
0: Literally my second transaction ever. A buddy of mine called me and said, hey, I've had my property listed for a year. It hasn't sold and I need to get rid of it. I can't afford it anymore. And I said, well, rather than get rid of it, can I just take it over for you? He says, well, sure. You know, what does that look like? And I said, well, I'll bring the paperwork over and you don't have any equity. So just give it to me and I'll figure it out. And he says, "Well, I'm already delinquent, so my credit shot." And I said, "Well, that's in both of our favors, so I'll figure it out from there." And sure enough, he owed a hundred, hundred and one to Washington Mutual Bank back in the day on a first FHA loan, and he had a second with GreenTree, and he didn't know what to do. He thought he was stuck. He had had it listed for hundred and eighteen, which was the amount he owed to both lenders for like a year, and relatively quickly, I was able to negotiate a second discount with. Green Tree mortgage. I thought it was actually a short sell at the time. I actually didn't know what I was doing. I just knew to go, go, go. And so they discounted it down to fifteen hundred bucks. I purchased the beneficial Holy cow,
1: I want to pause right there. <laughs> Green tree lowered their second mortgage from one hundred and eighteen thousand to fifteen hundred.
0: No, actually the Green Tree second was seventeen thousand and the first with Wamu was a hundred and one thousand.
1: Oh, I thought you said that he had it listed for two hundred and eighteen, which was what he owed. 118. Oh, 118. Okay. I I misheard that. All right. So they went from 17,000 and change to about 1,500?
0: Correct. I actually uh, sent them an offer officially. I calculated my numbers and justified how I was going to make my offer. And I made an $1,100 offer. And they said no to it immediately. And I basically sat on my thumbs for three weeks just saying, hey, I don't really know what to do. And three weeks later, they just called me and sent over a fax and said, hey, we'll take it. So, I basically effectively bought my own second mortgage because now I owned the property. I bought the second mortgage for fifteen hundred bucks, but it had a lien for seventeen hundred so I just created an arbitrary fifteen thousand five hundred in equity <laughs> so once I did that, it was just all the taste I needed, and I just went gangbusters and I've done deals like that where we discounted that debt, debt you know three or four hundred thousand dollars and freed up half a million dollars in equity.
1: Wow, see so you- how do you go about reaching out to a lender? What do you do? You just call the 1-800 number and say, I've got a mortgage or what?
0: Yeah, you literally start with that. But again, my mortgage background gives me kind of context for everything. So depending on the circumstance, if I'm the homeowner, if I've already got the property subject to, I don't do something like that unless I get the original homeowner to sign a borrower's authorization to give me access to inquire on their behalf. So I usually have my P's and Q's in order. So I'll just call and say, hey, yeah, I'm calling about this property and this loan. I have a borrower's authorization I need to send you so that you'll talk to me. They'll give me a fax number. I'll fax it in anywhere from 24 hours to 10 days, depending on how inefficient they are. I'll get in contact with them again, and we'll start having dialogue. A lot of times I'll just throw a hook in the water, so to speak, and fish with no worm, so to speak, trying to find the right person. Sometimes it's the asset manager with an REO division. Sometimes it's a short sale division. Sometimes it's a higher-up VP that I have to get to. It's just, it's... It's always different. Every lender is different. Every scenario is different. Every circumstance is different. So it's really about just being diligent and imposing our will on them. And it takes
1: time. Yeah, I imagine it takes time just because there's a lot of red tape with lenders and a lot of process, right?
0: Lots of red tape. I think they're the originators in the manufacturers <laughs> of red tape.
1: <laughs> Any tips? You just gave some great ones as far as be patient. No, it's a long process get to the right people. Any other tips before we change gears a little bit as it relates to working with lenders and negotiating down the mortgages?
0: Be willing to not take no for an answer and be willing to be somewhat unreasonable about your requests. You have to approach them with a, I know more than you, or I'm going to do more than you attitude. A lot of times we acquiesce to the person that answers the phone and their position, and we buy into their lack of authority and the fact that they have to follow what I call procedure number nine. And I have a permanent script built into me that says, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Person that I'm talking to, I totally appreciate your position. and The fact that your corporate policy says X, Y, Z, and procedure number nine won't allow you to do that. But in my world, I'm actually in your position and I'm the owner of the business. So My procedure is bigger than yours. My corporate policy is bigger than yours, and we can do this one of two ways. I can run directly through you on the phone. It can be very ugly and difficult conversation, or you can accommodate me and help me to get to the right person, which is probably starting off like your manager. And, you know, I'm professional about it, but I'm very stern, and I can talk circles around most people that aren't bank presidents, in some cases bank presidents. So, you know, I'm going to get my way. It's just going to take time. So just be patient.
1: Now let's talk about, how about the last deal you did? Can you tell us about it?
0: Actually, I'm working on one right now. It's in process. It just hasn't completely gone through. And I think that's probably the highlight of everything. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm working on a mobile home park right now. And the scenario is there's an older gentleman. He's ready to retire. He's got a mom and pop run, so to speak, mobile home park. I learned through kind of reading and I went to a boot camp on mobile home parks and that type thing. They basically are mom and pop run, and they're very run down and always underperforming. So he shows a certain amount of money, he claims a certain amount of money. He's got his gross expenses and his gross income, but his reality is different than what it shows on paper. <laughs> so his price is three or four hundred thousand more than it's actually worth. Yep. Um, that's being nice. But recently, I ran across a technique from a guy just two weeks ago. He was at an REI club here, and we like to attend the other ones to so gain knowledge and network. So he gave me a creative finance technique I'd never seen or used before, and immediately I understood it. And so I put that on the board with this gentleman last week. It's been about two and a half months since we had last talked, and he's entertaining the idea right now. So
1: Really? Um, That's cool. Yeah. Isn't it nice to learn some stuff and then immediately implement it?
0: Well, what's really cool is I pride myself on my finance knowledge, my creative finance techniques, and a lot of experience with it, and I constantly – challenge myself but i didn't know this event was going to be like that my buddy told me he said hey this guy's got something a little bit different you might want to check it out and sure enough man it blew my doors he's got this technique i think he labels it incorrectly he calls it like a zero percent down creative finance and i think zero percent saying that to somebody even a seller it turns people off but effectively he's willing to listen to them he calls it an avatar seller he has a certain type of seller with a certain motivation and he says, if they're at a price where they haven't sold in a while, their motivation's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's not unreasonable. Go ahead and give them their purchase price. Go ahead and give them their unreasonable number. Pay three or four hundred thousand dollars more. Basically, here's what the deal's going to be: offer them their price or even more. Offer them no money down terms. Take over their loan, but basically, you're going to do a seller carry. Mm-hmm. and whatever you pay them on a monthly, it's going to be 100% applied to the equity or to the payoff of the loan. So he basically says, Mr. Seller, I will give you, I'm just going to use arbitrary numbers, $7,500 a month for 12 years. Yep. And if you calculate that out, that's going to work out to be one point, you know, I'm in my head, I haven't, I don't recall whatever.
1: them. Yeah, 1.2 million, whatever
0: it is. It's 1.1, 1. 1, which is okay. the asking price. And you'll be completely paid off and out of the picture, and I'll own the property free and clear, and basically their motivation is like, "Wow, this guy's going to pay me x every single month. They don't think about whether it's going to pay down the mortgage. they're just saying that works for me, and it gets them their price that they wanted, and basically I'm going to own a property in twelve years if he says yes,
1: okay, I see it so now that's
0: uh, high. well, I haven't done
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. of all the due diligence, but that's the effective concept yeah. of it.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and it's a gentleman
0: named Chris McClatchy out of Florida. He's an attorney and a creative finance guy and very impressed with his program.
1: Thanks for giving him a shout-out. I don't think I've interviewed him. Maybe I should interview him. I just want to recap, though. In this scenario, it's a no-money-down seller finance scenario where you pay them their asking price, if they're being unreasonable, pay them their asking price, or even if they're not, you still could use this. But this is particularly good for that. You give them, say, $5,000 a month times 12 months in the year, and then for, say, 10 years. And whatever that amount is, whatever that total is, that's their overall purchase price that gets paid to them. And so the money that you pay them, you said it goes to the principal payment of what you owe. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Starting month one, 100% pay down.
1: So you basically just say they want $500,000 for their property. Then you could pay them 60000 divided by 60. It would be eight years, eight years, three months. So $500,000 property, $5,000 a month, I'll give you... $5,000 for every month for eight years, three months. And then obviously, when we run our numbers, we have to conservatively project that it's going to cash flow above and beyond all the expenses, which are including this $5,000, right? Correct. And the way we come up with the amount we can pay them a month is by identifying how much we can conservatively expect to receive from the property and then maybe half it or you know, it doesn't matter. We can make it 50 years or whatever it is.
0: Sure. He actually has a spreadsheet he uses and everything. I didn't go to his actual class. I was just in a 45 minute share he did. My mortgage knowledge allowed me to pick that up and get it. And I've got so much experience applying similar stuff that it just made sense to me. And I don't have to scrutinize it for hours and hours to know it works. It's just I've talked to those sellers for years and years and years. I know they're out there. So
1: yeah, that's cool. How did the conversation go when you went back to the mobile home park person?
0: It was exactly as Chris had said it would be. It was identical. The motivations were there. All his issues were there. He had a couple of other issues. He needs a little more money on the front side, and he explained to me why, and those were personal reasons for himself. So that won't be a deal breaker. It would just be money in, and we'd have a smaller number to play with or less time to pay on it. But he didn't blink at the idea of 100% pay down on the mortgage, and he was more focused on his needs, and hey, I just need a bigger chunk of cash up front. So that's kind of our negotiation point right now.
1: That's a fun share. Thanks for that. Yeah, you bet. All right. What's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Best real estate investing advice ever is, and I'll say this to anybody, no matter how long they've been in the business, Robert Kiyosaki says that if you buy real estate for it to only go up in value, you're a speculator. And I've stuck to that. So you do not have to buy real estate. You can buy real estate. And when you get to a place like me, you can buy down there anything. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. you got to see your entrance, your acquisition strategy, and you got to be able to see money on the backside, either cash flow or through a discount. So you don't have to buy real estate. Learn to say no. There's several pieces of his advice in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what is an example of a property that you said no to, if you can think of one? One of my favorites,
0: actually my partner today, his name's John Lee. He's in here in Vegas with me, runs the Outback with me. When I was training him and kind of getting him into the Outback mode, he brought a property to me. And one of the fundamentals that I practice is that we buy based on a particular Mayo and we don't deviate the Mayo I'm sure you know what that is.
1: No, what's Mayo? I don't know what that is.
0: It's a maximum allowable offer. It's a predefined percentage against the ARV or the the actual value of the property of what we think we can sell it for. And so one of the things that I've learned, especially being here in Vegas, is that dollars and dollar signs and numbers make us intoxicated, but percentages never lie. So I always translate my profit to a percentage so that the percentage doesn't get me intoxicated. It's not very sexy. It's just like, hey, if I'm going to make 13%, return on investment in a couple Mm. months, cool. But if I keep that number a number and it says, hey, you're going to make $82,000, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money, right? Well, in this particular case, the $82,000 translated to a percentage that was way under our profit model. So I stopped him kind of in mid-sentence, so to speak, and he says to me, he says, how does this not make sense? I said, well, it makes sense from a standpoint of you're looking at the dollar amount. Yes, $82,000 is a lot of money but you just blew the model out of the water. Do we invest that way? And he looks at me and like almost gets in tears. And he was like, no, we don't. You're right. This is no deal. And so we said, no, he was already counting dollar signs in his head, but it was an exciting and permanent learning point.
1: And that makes a lot of sense to me. The one question I have where I can see someone going and taking the opposite argument is if, there is, let's say million dollars worth of profit, and it's like maybe a eight percent return, but then you could, in theory, get sixteen percent return on a bunch of smaller deals. the ease of transaction of management of this one, albeit less return, and the risk where you're not having to do a lot or well, I guess it would be argued both ways because all your eggs are in one basket versus being spread out. But the point is, you might be able to get the same amount of return or less return on only one deal, whereas you have to do a lot of other deals to get a faster return. Yeah, and I
0: wouldn't disagree with your logic and your statement, but the reality for me is that risk is relative to what you know. I learned that from Kisaki as well, but for me, it's about what you have at risk. So if I have to put a lot at risk to get that, 8%, it's not worth it because that's beyond my model. And for me, I know a lot of people can justify, hey, for $100,000 deals, maybe you say no, but that's a big chunk of money. No, for everything, for me, works the same, and I learned that in the mortgage business. If a lender loans 80% LTV and they want 20% down, there's a reason. And just because it's a big deal doesn't mean you can fudge the numbers. Percentages always work the same. The market can shift 5%, 10% on a million-dollar property just like it can on a small property, and the percentages and the models keep you safe and prevent you from making mistakes like that.
1: I like it. I can understand the logic. I'm committed to not doing that. (laughs) You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com. Best ever book you've read?
0: Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill, his most recent one.
1: Best ever deal you've done?
0: It's a scratch and dent lender. I bought a property subject to, within 90 days, I put up 100000 and I got half a million back in 89 days. Huh?
1: What's a scratch and dent lender?
0: It was back before the meltdown, actually is in the middle of the meltdown. It was a lender that goes out and buys subprime debt that never gets paid. So it was a $1.4 million loan that never made one payment. Mm
1: -hmm. And how did you make that money?
0: Discounted the debt. I called the lender. The lender said, hey, we've already sold this loan off. And I said, well, who'd you sell it to? It just now went delinquent. And they said, yeah, there's a scratch and dent lender out of New York. They gave me the number. I called them and negotiated. It took 89 days and we were able to sell the property and discount the property by close to half a million dollars.
1: Best ever way you like to give back?
0: My time. We call ourselves investors in man and land in that order. And I always consider that a relationship is way more important than a deal. So we always put people first in the transaction. So we meet tons of people. We give our time. We have a statement that we say everybody's worth five minutes, and you encourage them, you give them ideas, you share your resources, and you never know what's going to come back.
1: What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
0: Getting intoxicated and basically buying too many properties too fast. I've done that twice.
1: You were literally drunk?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, intoxicated. It's not so much an actual inebriation. It's buying real estate with your ego versus your
1: models. You live in Vegas. I wasn't sure. I had to clarify. <laughs> A lot of fun stuff happening over there. Understood. Makes sense. Where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
0: You can reach out to me at anytimecoachcaller.com or you can email me at mark at com. And my phone number is 702-625-2107. Please just give me some grace because I don't call people back very quickly. Feel free to text.
1: All right, well, you're the exact opposite of me. I hate text messages. <laughs> I hate them with a the passion. Mark, I did love our conversation, though, on the opposite end of that. Holy cow. Some really practical piece of advice. Let's see three things standing out in my notes. One is on your second transaction, how you negotiated with the lender from $17,000 to $1,500 and you gave some examples for how to do that. Two is the mobile home park that you're working on with the zero money down seller financing structure and you discuss how to approach it that way. And then three is your percentage thing. And I like your quote, just because you can buy doesn't mean you should buy and translate the profits into a percentage love that stuff. And we talked about how we might think of it differently, but how you're holding steady with your thought process and appreciate that. So thanks so much for being on the show, Mark. hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. You as well. Thank you very much. I enjoyed being on the show. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com.